If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, I can get to know ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. Let me explain as I'm taking it off. Let me explain how I feel about us. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. I can show ya. In all my sperm donation world communities, I welcome diversity with open arms. I believe we are all humans, and all humans are equal, no matter your ethnicity, religious background, yet at the same time, I don't believe anyone should be restricted from making free will choice decision. That is why I encourage men from all cultures to become donors, and that is why I also love opening the door for recipients to explore that option of using a donor. Today we speak to a man who has now been in Australia for over five years. Moved here at the age of 23 from his motherland of Cambodia. Welcome to the show, Seth Wayne. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me in your podcast. A little bit now about myself. I'm now 28. I'm single and I'm from Cambodia. I've been helping women to, to have baby about two years ago. Well, so right now I have two success. That's very, very good that you've been able to contribute in this way. You've been here for a short amount of time. Did you come here, did you move to Australia by yourself or did you come over here with other family members? And how did you find yourself up here on Australian shores? Um, I came here with my mother. So basically my sister, two of my sisters here, they sponsored my mum. And at that time I was a dependent child. So I came here with her. So you've been here, you haven't been here that long. I mean, you've been in the group for two years now. How did you first come across the idea of becoming a sperm donor? So first I, I saw the clinic that advertised for a sperm donor and then um, I was registered to be a donor. But the process is too complicated and too time-consuming. They need me to do counselling. They need me to do this. They need me to do that. They need to freeze my sperm. They need me to do the blood test. It took me too long time and I, I don't have time for that. So I just gave up. And then later on, because my sister, she can't conceive a child, a child. So I feel sad about it. So the idea of become, becoming a donor is up again. So I'll look up online, just search like sperm donation or Australian sperm donor or whatever, just related with the sperm donation keywords. And then it's come up with your group. And then I just um, asked to get in. Okay, you were accepted, obviously. You did pass the screening, so congratulations about that, and we're glad that we got you with us today. You're a single man, Seth. Yep, have, I am. Have you been dating? Do you, do you have any long-term plans to remain single, or what's what's the situation there? So right now I'm single, and I haven't made any plan for having any family right now because I just finished my degree, and um. I'm planning about my career first and then thinking about the relationship later. But who's knows? What, uh, what degree did you, you do, if you don't mind sharing? I graduated, I graduated master degree in accounting. Okay, great. So if you choose Seth to be your sperm donor, you might have a free accountant. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's very, very well. Congratulations on that, Seth. Well, how about your family? Have you shared with them that you, you're a sperm donor? And if so, how did they respond to that decision? Actually, I haven't shared about this to my family. I don't have a gut to do so because my family is like very traditional. So they kind of not accepting of being a donor. Like 
how can you help someone to help the children without have any involvement with the child or whatever? Uh, I just don't know how to tell them, but I'm planning to tell them, just don't know when. And, you know, is, is that a situation that you're worried about? Obviously, I'm not too familiar with Asian culture back, um, background. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be disowned, surely, Seth? Um, I'm not too worried about that because I think I do it for a good purpose. So I know my, my family know that. Um, my family will support me for doing good. It's just like something that Asian people doesn't really do about it, like donate their sperm to create a child for someone else. It's not really a common thing that Asian people would do it. But if we, if I tell them the real reason or tell them the, a good one, I think it doesn't really matter. Yeah, ultimately, your family will love you and accept you. I've, I've never heard of anyone from any culture being disowned by their parents or family because they've come out and said they're a donor. Some people have trouble processing it, but, yeah, they've never been disowned. So I don't think that's an issue you, you will have. You've had a couple of successes since you've been in the group? Yeah, just two that I've known. How did you feel once you heard your first pregnancy had happened? So I start like I'm a member in your group in the mid 2017. So I found that that my first conception was successful in oh, in July, I think. So it was very quick and unexpected. I was very happy, and I feel like that's a very good feeling. I should keep going, keep helping people. It's because there's nothing wrong. So it was very good and great experience for me at the first time. Tell me what features are Caucasian women to expect from having a from from having a baby from your from your help? A lot of recipients they ask me for my idea for or my opinion about having a biracial child, like how can they get a child to grow up in a in an environment that is not become a isolated from others, like being discriminated because the child will be grown up in a Caucasian area and they look like half Asian and half Caucasian. They may be discriminated from their friend or their community and how sh- how can they avoid that? And my idea is because right now we are like globalization, people are mixed. We're not really sure that we have only one race or one ethnicity. Some people mix of two or three and to get into people, I think just go to the community where other culture and ethnicity mixed it. I don't know, like something like that. I can remember back when I was a child in primary school, year one, I remember there had only been one Asian child in, in my class. It was a bit of a novelty thing, I think, being so young seeing a person from a different culture. I, I take my children to school these days and it's uh, Australia has become a very diverse place, people from all sorts of uh, backgrounds and cultures and I think it's just becoming the normal now. Uh, as whereas uh, when I was a child, I guess probably some of the recipients are probably a similar, similar age as me as well, probably haven't had that concept of real, realising how much Australia has changed with, yeah, as you said, globalisation and people 
moving to other countries and, and living in different areas that were traditionally from their not their background. You're from Cambodia. Would you say that's a religious place? I know the Angkor Wat is there, which is a temple. I, you know, do you have monk beliefs and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I'm from Cambodia. Um, I don't have really a strong belief, but I would say I, I ha- I'm a religious man but not really very strong belief, like, like too strong, like belief, like. As an Asian man in a predominantly Caucasian community, as current, how are you, how are you finding it? Do you find that you, you're coming across any discrimination from people that, you know, are lacking in skills of uh, being open to, diver- to diversity or not understanding different cultures and being able to speak to them correctly? From what, when I start, I don't think I've been across with the, any discrimination. Just like some recipient, they would like to get, I don't know, which is similar match to their partner, which is like Caucasian. So they would reject me politely, like um, I'm looking for someone similar to my partner or something like that. Pretty much no discrimination at all. That's fantastic. It's pleasing to hear that our community is, you know, being respectful of everyone from different um, cultures, so you know it's 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 pleasing feeling because we we want to we want a warm, safe environment where everyone feels comfortable and and I think it's an important question to get out there for anyone's listening from a different cultural background, considering becoming a donor or considering uh, using a donor, that you will be welcome into our group with uh, open arms. So that is uh, just lovely, there, Seth. So you haven't had any have, have you had any negative experiences since being a donor? Um. Yeah, I, I would say yes. Um, we can't get always positive, but yeah, but it's not really, really bad. But it's just like misunderstanding of each other. Sometimes recipient was thinking of me like I'm a very pushy of keep asking them like when are you on the start or whatever. But actually, it's just like I need to arrange my time because you know sometimes I'm free, sometimes I'm not. But to to help them, I need to arrange my time to suit them. But they may think that I'm really pushy, so they will say goodbye. They don't need my help. It's something like that. And sometimes just when some recipient would disappear without telling me anything after getting my help or I don't know whether they getting pregnant or what, whatever. It's just communication is a, a big problem here. But everything will all good. No, it's um, something that people now need to be mindful of, a bit of common courtesy of keeping those communication lines open. I, d- I do understand that picking a donor and, and going through with the process is a big step in itself. Uh, you know, people just need to say that they're still considering their options or still not ready to make the leap. Um, you know, just you know, just keep people on the same page um, you know, so people don't seem like they're coming across pushy but also giving someone a time frame of roughly when they're looking at starting and, and then us as donors being respectful of that timeline that they're considering and that at least by then both parties have an understanding of where things may be progressing and, and how far away that that may be yeah yeah sometimes like so, sometimes they they ask us like for me like for a backup or something or I'll, I'll keep you posted and then sometimes they said oh my my current donor is not available can you help me now or something like that it, it's okay to do like that but it's just something like it's not very honor to do it. Like you treat another donor like a backup or like something that 
it's not really good for me. So I, I don't, I don't really like it sometimes. So I would reject it. It is an interesting point. I don't mind people being honest because, I mean, otherwise they can just pretend to you that you're the main donor and not be honest and say you're the backup. And that way yeah. you, you could be lied to. At least these people are being honest by saying that. And then, and that, and at that stage, then you have the right to say, "Well, I'm busy. Sorry, um, I can't help." Or if you are happy to help, help then you can help. So, uh, as yeah. do, as donors, we do have to be a bit mentally strong in terms of being thick-skinned. Uh, I don't take it. the reason. You know, you come on the group to help people. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to come on and feel rejected. You got to just understand that you know you're here to provide someone some help. If they're you know if they're lucky enough yeah. to accept your help, then you know that's good for them. Uh, but at the same time, we just we just got to accept uh, you know we can't help everybody. But um, as a whole, as a whole, we can you know if we're happy, we can at least put a hand up too. So yeah, look, yeah, I, right. it's not the end of the world being a backup. I mean, obviously, donors can't donate each month. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you may not be busy one month as well. That something might happen, a family emergency or something like that. So you know, it's it's an interesting point. But my advice out there for donors is, is don't be um, upset if you're considered the backup. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of you know choice out there. It might be just that they live closer. Yeah, yeah. So don't take a personal rejection to anything. It's yeah, not something that I feel bad about. But at the same time, Seth. Uh, it's my understanding that a few women have actually flew interstate for your services to come and be helped by you. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I used to have the first interstate from Adelaide, like uh, from South Australia. Yep. And then um, cannot be contacted anymore. Um, but one um, unsuccessful, and then they she told me that she wanted to stop for a while and. Right now, she hasn't contacted me, so I don't know whether she wanted or not, but that's all right. And the second one was from Perth about a couple of times, but unfortunately, it was unsuccessful and because of the um, distance and the expense for flying or an accommodation is too much, they decide not to come here again. And I've, yeah, and I've got some from Queensland as well. And luckily, it was it was success. She she can save for the first time. Okay, that's great. I mean, look, it's. Uh, do you find that the people that are wanting to travel to you in Melbourne, do you find that the people that want to come to you, they specifically want the Asian gene? Is that is is that why they want to travel far and wide to come come to you, or? What, what, what I, I think that's the main reason. I think that's the main reason because all of them are um, they have partner Asian partner, so they want a donor like Asian donor to have a similar look like her partner or something. So that's the main reason they fly to me. Yeah, I, I can't see any reason more than that. You know, other recipients around the um, Australia or even the world looking at using Seth for his Asian genes. Uh, how does how does that logistically work? You know, what's the planning behind it for someone to say, hey, Seth, my relations this time, are you going to be available? Uh, is there a hotel that's near you that you recommend? How, how does this all get arranged so, you know, the donations are done? Yeah, um, 
they asked me about all that question as well. But you know, with this modern generation, internet, Google has helped a lot. They just type and they ask me my suburb where do I live, and I just tell them where I live, and then they just Google it. They search for accommodation through Google or something, and I just tell that um, there's a hotel, hotel or motel something near my place, easy to meet. But it's depend on them whether they like that or not. And some recipient they don't really know like how to track their ovulation or something. They ask for my um, opinion about how to track that or whatever, and I can help them from there. In your two years of being in the group, have you would you say that your your knowledge in ovulation is is, is increased? Um, I think so because. When I first started, I have no idea what ovulation is, what women's cycle, what menstrual cycle is. I don't know. I don't know anything because, you know, real men, um, it's all about women's stuff. I don't really know. But I keep doing researching and reading, reading and reading. And it's, yeah, it's improved a lot. It let me know. And, of course, I've talked with you. You give me some idea as well. So you've been pretty good at that as well. Be my mentor. Yeah, it's good to be, you know, be able to help um, other men. And I do encourage other men to, you know, learn more about ovulation and understand timing because uh, a lot of women themselves uh, often don't know about it. So by having that that knowledge as well, you're, you're wasting less of you, less of your own time and, and less of their own time as well and clearing that doubt up. So it's definitely something that is worth looking into. It's actually quite interesting once you, once you learn it and get it down packed that it does become like second nature yeah no it's very good and you know i'm always happy to reach out um, for other donors to reach out to me and and ask about these questions you know as as men here we're all on the same team to want to help people have have children and obviously if we're donating at the right times that increases the chances yeah um, recently one donor has reached me out for some advice about all this stuff as well so I'm I'm glad to share my idea and like any advice I want to give him like because he's new in this um, donation stuff. So I'm glad to 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 give the advice. Yeah, no, it's very altruistic for us. I mean, as donors, we you know we um, we're here to help. So when also we we want to help others as well, learn to donate. It's it's also a very extra it's an extra positive so yeah that's commendable there Seth there was a recent news article even that you went to New Zealand and, and donated there would you like to touch on that experience yeah um so last year like in spring I decided to go to New Zealand for a holiday for like two weeks or something and then I, I'll come up of an idea that I'm a donor in Melbourne in Australia why not I'm a donor in New Zealand when I was there. So I just found a group in New Zealand and asked to join the group and then posted. And then a couple in New Zealand asked me for help. And because, um, like, I've got it, I went to New Zealand only for two weeks or something, but it may not be enough time to cover for the second cycle of, of them. They asked me to help my clinic and I agreed to, to help them by clinic. So what was the process there with the clinic? Because, I mean, you're only there for two weeks. Yeah. Did, did you just go in there and donate or did you have to do all these tests? What, what's the go in New Zealand? Um, pretty much every clinic, they are the same, but they just 
do a shortcut for me because they understand that I'm not in New Zealand. And so they asked me to do the blood test first in Australia and send the result back to them. So I did it once and sent to them. And when I arrived in New Zealand, I just immediately donated to them like twice, like two days in a row. And then when I came back, I just wait to the three months something and I did another blood test and send the result to them. And about the counseling sessions, they pretty much very easy. They do one with me and one with the recipient and the doctor. So they just simplify every process because they want to, um, because it's really hard if they want to do the full like procedure as I'm in um, New Zealand. So it's hard. That's why they simplify every process. It's easy for me. And the and the blood test that was just a, a was it just a standard SAD test, or did it search for other stuff as well? What was the blood test involved? Um, it's a lot of things as well. I, I'm not really sure because I, I don't read all that result. But they just send me a um, what they want to know, and then I hand that paper to my GP, and then my GP. Um, refer me to the pathology to test the blood, and that's it. Did they uh, want I don't a, really know actually. Yep. Did they want a sperm test at all, or they didn't even want that? Was... They, they don't need my sperm test because at the time I donated in New Zealand, they tested, they analyzed it twice at at their clinic already, so they don't need any sperm test from me. They do, but actually at the first place, they they actually asked for one for me, and I have ones in hand as well. It's very um, interesting to see how you could go there and quickly do it in a simple, simple manner. Uh, so the counselling was that done over the internet or was that done face to face in New Zealand? No, it was done uh, um, online. Like because at that time, uh, because the counsellor she's not there at at the time I, I went to New Zealand, so that's why I wait until she came back and then we do it online. Otherwise, we can't do it in New Zealand, all in once. So I guess you know you've you've taken a few shortcuts and done it. So it doesn't it wasn't it probably wasn't really a bad experience or a hard experience for you going to the clinic. How would you sum up the whole overall um, experience? And what if uh, you know an Australian donor wanted to go over to New Zealand um, and donate? It's something that you'd say is pretty easy to do by the sounds of things. Um, it's not really pretty much easy like we do like with the recipient directly, like AI at home or something like that. It's, it's not really easy like that. But compared to what I've gone through the clinic in Australia, it's pretty much like 50% easier because they understand the distance. So they not require me to do like the full procedure. So if you if any donor want to go like New Zealand and donor our clinic at there, Pretty much you have to do the blood test and sperm test here in first and then send it to them and they will take care of the rest. You just go there and then donate it at their clinic and then you come back or do the counseling session at there and that, that's it. They won't take, they won't take much time of yours because as you know, New Zealand, they're short of donor. So they really, really need a donor very much. And when you did the cancelling and all that, did they ask you if you donated previously in Australia? Did, you know, did they know you were a donor? Yeah, they, they 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 do know. They do know that I'm an online donor because I've, I I told them I declare everything like I'm an online donor in 
Australia, and that's the reason why I met um, the couple. Yeah, and they were and they were all happy with all that. They didn't ask you how many children you helped, or you know, any more questions along that line. But, you know, how were they judging you from being an online donor if they were judging you at all? Um, they, I can say they don't care about it. They just say that how uh, like how many children have I helped, or how many children have I created, something like that. And but actually, they just. Like want to know if I help someone in New Zealand because they in New Zealand they're not in Australia they don't really care about in Australia, so because different country, I guess so. Okay, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's just you know it's the the views and the philosophies uh, that they have. I mean, you, so if you told them, for instance, that you had a hundred children in Australia because there's none in New Zealand, they probably wouldn't they wouldn't mind. Is, is that sort of your your feeling that you got? Um. I'm not really sure about that, but because they, when they asked me, I just told them that I have, I have helped one. That's it. And at that time, I was only I have only one successful donation, and because only one, it doesn't really affect to their regulation. Because in New Zealand, they limit one donor only five families. So if I help only one family, it doesn't bother them. That's why they didn't ask much about did, anything else. Did they ask at all? If you had any intentions to keep donating online for for an extensive amount of time, or they just didn't bother with that, it's just they're happy with that one. Yes, they did. They asked me like, "Will I keep doing that online?" I said, "Yes, I will keep doing that." Okay, and then they didn't they didn't think that was bad or good, or you know, did they were they just that was it? Was that the question? Um, I think they just take note because it because they don't really know like how many more families I will help or how many more and they did ask me like if I'm next like in the future I have a partner or a wife or something like will I keep doing that or will I inform everything that I've done to my partner or something yeah they they, they all asked me about that as well and, and yeah, did, did you I told them that yeah yeah did you find that you're being judged as a as a donor um, like were they Trying to evaluate your site, you like your mental side of things, uh, or was it just a general chat? You feel? Um, I don't think so. I think they asked me the reason, like you do, like um, why I decide to be a donor or something like that, and then I tell them the reason why I want to be like that, and I like helping people, and it's a great, a very good things to help people to have children, and they just um, thanks to me, and they said it's a very good thing to do. And I don't think they judge for that. We like to get a bit of insight on how other counselling sessions are done overseas in different clinics and the process and the questions and how they analyse you uh, or, or if it's just a general chat or, or, you know, a formality or the angles that they target you in to, you know, reveal uh, what you know or what your intentions are. Um. In the first counselling, they asked like just me and the counsellor, so they asked a bit general question like where I'm from and how long have I been living in Australia or something like that. Um, it's pretty much just to explain me the to be a donor, what is the pros and cons or something like that, what I need to know, like I don't have any responsibility over the child, something like that, like it's like too obviously like that, and to know me. To know much more about me, like where I'm come from, or something like that. That's it. And the second counselling, just 
to meet me and my recipient and the counselor together and to get a concern like, yes, I'm willing to do and uh, I understand all that. And then pretty much about it. That's it. Did you learn anything from the counselling? Did they teach you anything you didn't know or you already pretty much knew it all, being an online donor previously? Uh, they Actually, they didn't teach me anything. It's just like, you know, just a general question, like getting to know me and just to get my consent of being a donor or something like that. So anything like, for example, tracking ovulation or, or something, no, I didn't learn anything like that from them. I learned in being an online donor in the group much more. So you'd say from your experience, without counselling, you, you have learned far more from the group Sperm Donation Australia than, than um, you know, any information that the clinic gave you there. Is that, your, is that how you see it? Yes, of course. It just sounds like, uh, you know, uh, counselling is just a formality. You know, people aren't going in there actually learning any more than what they have learnt from my, my online communities, um, the information guides that I send my donors, uh, you know, there's no extra information that these people are doing it. So, I mean, geez, I um, provide free counselling for everyone. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really a, a um, educational counselling or something. It's just like a consent, a, a counselling that needs your consent to do something legally. It's just something like that and tell you what what's something wrong, what whatever. It's it's not really useful sometimes, I think. It's just whatever you, you it it's like a general thing that you have known already of being a donor. It's like a common sense. It it doesn't really need one, but I don't know. Clinic just want to get one. Would you say all right, after doing counselling would you say it's a waste of time or uh, unnecessary? Um, if they want to do just one or to get it all in once, that's, that's, that's all right. But if they require to do twice, it's just a waste of time for the second time. Why need to do the second time? Just do once because what they say is not really much like, much more important. So they can say all in one time doesn't matter. So doing twice is just a waste of time. See, when I, when I imagine counselling, I, I imagine it being you going in there, you get an informative decision um, or informative information just saying basically what they did say about um, you, you haven't got rights to the child, which you, which you already knew that anyway. But also, you yeah. know, um, a few things like maybe support networks that you may have that you can look at later if you start feeling a bit untoward or a bit down from regretting your donations or stuff like that or, uh, you know, just the information, information packs on just that extra support if, if you do require it later down the track. And basically, you know, it's, I don't know, I haven't really heard from a donor that's come out and gone, well, I did counselling. I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I did it. Uh, it's taught me a lot. <laughs> it's taught nah, me a lot. So- if, if if you want to go, if you want to donate with clinic, you will like, for example, you get a an information pack like from the clinic, like what our, what a donor will get or something like that. So you, if you read all of that information pack, it's pretty much the same thing in a counseling. So they will say pretty much exactly the same thing, just in a different way or something, but the meaning will be the same, which you already know after you read all the, the information pack. So. Similar, it's pretty much nothing. 
but I will say it, it, it should be quite one, but not twice. Yeah, I mean, no, that's good points. I mean, look, obviously, people are listening today that they want to understand what a donor thinks from, from their experience of going into counselling at a clinic and whether or not it is beneficial or whether or not they do drag on those extra sessions just for the extra money when really uh, it doesn't sound, there's lot, doesn't sound like there's a lot of substance that should go over um, to another counselling session either. So maybe it's something that they need to consider or be more honest about or condense it to make it more... Um, appealing for donors to actually consider becoming a donor rather than making them do extra um, sessions that, uh, you know, they, they feel unnecessary. So, look, it's a, it's a learning point. It's, uh, it's, a, it's good to have that out there and hopefully some clinics listen and or even um, government bodies are listening and they can understand uh, how we can make it more appealing for at least donors to go and donate at a clinic. So, you know, we, we are always about improvement, whether or not it's online donating or, or clinics as well. It's good to hear yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, you know what? When, when, when I was about to donate to the couple in New Zealand, I told them that because I went there for a holiday, I don't have much time like for being um, uh, donate via clinic because I, I realized that donating via clinic very waste of time. And then I said, I would like to help you, but I don't do with clinic because it's too much time consuming. So if you want to do that, I need to do like simplify, do a shortcut so I can help you via clinic. And that's, I think that's will help. I just tell them and then they, they contact with the clinic and then the clinic simplify everything for me. So it's take me only the half day something like that at New Zealand. So the rest of time are mine. And, I, you know, I think that's uh, very good of this New Zealand clinic to be accommodating like that, actually. Uh, that's a quick process, realistically, in using the clinic. Probably more easy for um, me to go over and help someone in Australia at a New Zealand clinic than it is to sign up and do one, one over here. Uh, so did they say they put you on a, a, a registry there or because you're from Australia they didn't bother? Or, you know, what's the situation there? Uh, they, they they have to they so they ask for my um detail like um full name that bus or like my address or something because they need to put me in a registration um registry as well like it's not on the birth certificate but my information will be available for the child after they turn eighteenth yeah so it's pretty much the same in Melbourne in Melbourne in Australia as well and it does show that some to some people that if you're in New Zealand and you and you want an Australian donor to come over that's based in Australia to come over and uh, donate there, uh, that it, yeah. it can only take it can take only up to two days to get those donations in, into the bank. So you know that can be yeah. practical. So yeah, I, I think so. I, from my experience, I think so because like we fly from Australia to exactly from Melbourne to New Zealand is about three or four hours. It's not really long and. With the with New Zealand and Australia, pretty much the same thing. Like with, I feel like I'm in Australia as well when I was in New Zealand, so it's not really bad. So if if the clinic won't take us too long time, probably a lot of donors from Australia will go there to help them. It's something that we really want to encourage our, our friends from across the across the ditch to come out and you know have that extra options because there's not many donors over in New Zealand, so. Picking a donor from Australia could be a valuable option. Yeah, the, the clinic that I've donated to is very well known in New Zealand. And I've seen a lot of news that the clinic talk about is some recipients are waiting about 
two years or more and still still waiting, keep waiting. Is that is it's that in not, is that in Auckland or down south or so? Um, um, it's in Christchurch, but they have a brand in Auckland as well. You're one of our donors. I uh, launched a campaign last year about starting DNA testing, genetic testing, being on a system so the children can eventually swab themselves and um, be on there um, and then link to their donors. You were one of the first donors to sign up on, on that system. Um, your DNA is on there, so if anyone ever has a child for, for you, they have that option of you know doing a swab and being able to contact you or the child can contact you at a later date if they wish to. How was all that process go for you? And um, uh, did you did you enjoy finding out any information from the results of these tests as well? So um, the, the result is quite interesting. So they tell you, like, where you're actually from because, like, you know, I'm from Cambodia, but they just getting – they know that I'm not really Cambodia. So I have um, – they said I'm 100% Chinese and Vietnamese. So because both my grandfather are Chinese. So, yeah. So my origin is Chinese. But I grew up in, I was born and grew up in Cambodia. So I say I'm Cambodia. But the result is very interesting. They say um, I have long distance cousin or second cousin, long distance cousin, something like that in other country. How many percent of of me and them are related like 2%, 1% or something like that. And they, the, the myheritage.com, the DNA testing, they show very easy to look like, very easy to understand because, you know, some people don't really understand much about DNA stuff. So they, they convert into a easy understand message. So we don't really find it difficult. And I like it. And the so, reason why I'm doing that, um, because I feel like um, I'm a donor. I should have something like in a database or sometime later on. I've lost the contact of the child I helped to create it. And they want to find their um, root, their heritage. They can do the testing. And I all, I, I've told my all my recipients that my DNA are on this database or something like that. So... Pretty much, if they want to do the, the DNA with a the child, they can do so. And another good thing, the children can avoid of um, sibling romance. So they may happen like they meet each other, but when if they test it, they know that they are half sibling or something like that. So they can avoid. And yeah, I mean, look, that's the thing. You know, there's a, a donor sibling registry out there, which is you know mainly for people that use clinics. Whereas, um, you know, using an online sperm donor, you, you do sort of know them, but you may not know the siblings and that. So that's why I'm encouraging uh, a ge- ge- genetic DNA company such as My Heritage as being that focal point that we use in our in the sperm donation world, sperm donation Australia communities. And that way, people do wish to meet some siblings and stuff like that. They can register and hopefully one or two or how many there is pop up. At least we know that's the go-to zone in um, my communities to uh, use the function. So it's, uh, you know, it does op- offer a safeguard. It raises the standards. It gives us our own register in a way that people can reach out. It doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. I mean, some people actually have registered on there now and they're linked, but 
no one, you know, they haven't said to this yet because they're still enjoying the babies. So, you know, it can be a lot of reach out. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's another option that we provide in Sperm Donation Australia and in my Sperm Donation World community. Glad that uh, donors are starting to get on board. You don't have to hand over your real information. No, you don't have to. You know, they don't ask I don't to have see. To, yeah. They, you don't have to see your, your real ID. They don't ask to identify you. So you can still use a level of um, anonymity, but also be there that... Um, you know, you can reply to messages and stuff like that. So, no, it's um, it's a great concept. There's even recipients that have asked donors, you know, they buy an extra kit for the donor to do it, um, to be on that register to ensure that he does it because some donors don't want to use their own expense, do their own expenses. So uh, it's just like taking vitamins from uh, the sperm donation world site as well. You know, if you want your, you know, donor to be taking vitamins, you can also offer, and if he's happy enough to take them, you know, it's going to benefit the child as well. So they... Know, don't be afraid to hold back if that's something that you want your donor on that database you know suggest it to him and see if he's willing to go on there because i mean overall long term it's not a short-term vision thing these having a child through a donor it's a long-term thing and the more we can set out and make it more easy for them once they become adults it's just it's a thoughtful thing for all parties to consider can you picture people from asian backgrounds to continue to grow and accept sperm donation? Uh, where do you see the future and how can we inspire more Asian people to become donors or want to feel that the donation path um, in choosing a donor is, is right for them? Um, you asked about uh, a man or a f- no, both. woman? No, both. All, all the, the whole culture, the, you know, men and female. Okay. Um, so... I hope, like, in the future, more people will embrace the donation because right now not many people will, will think the same. As we, as we can see, not many Asian donors on the group and as well as anywhere. They think it's not really a good thing to do, having a child without that um, calling you a dad or something like that. Um, or... I really have no idea how to answer that question. And and as for women, what, what would you, what would your advice would be for an Asian woman coming on and, and using a donor, whether they use a Caucasian or another Asian donor? Ah, uh, that's a good question. So usually in Asian culture, women will not come to an online donation, something like that, to get a help because it's something it's abnormal in Asian culture. So I hope they think that. It's good to come to a group like that because we're here to help and we have a lot of information. We have a lot of knowledgeable donors so they can help you out rather than go to clinic and spend a lot of fun money and they treat you like just a money a money cow or something like that, a cash cow, whatever, just to drain you for money. So be open, be accept, not just like, um, living in a culture like where we grew up. So I understand about all that, but just try to be different because we are now in 2019 already. Everything's changed. The world has changed. So we should change as well. I, I embrace change. I, um, I embrace diversity. I embrace people feeling comfortable and not feeling that there's going to be uh, roadblocks in front of them because... 
builds uh, that expectation from uh, their culture to, you know, not go down this route. You know, these days technology is moving so quickly in terms of uh, the evolution of the internet and what it can provide and the information that is out there now and communities such as Sperm Donation Australia. Uh, I want everyone to at least explore it and, and sort of consider it as a, as a potential option for them without feeling like they're feeling pressure from outside areas in their society. Yeah, I have another point to add. So, like, if you think about, like, think back to 20 years ago, if you have a biracial child, like a woman, Asian woman, with a Caucasian man, the child will be look, um, funny or something when they in the classroom or something because of um, discrimination or because of different, because they look different to, like, they're not really Asian, but they're not really Caucasian as well. They're just, like, Eurasian or something. So... At that time, they might be considered about that. But now, 20 years like that now, for example, people like biracial child, every article they said biracial child is good, they looking good, they're smarter than the actual like one-race child. So it's about time to change. Don't be, hold yourself to the, um, like, in a one culture and force yourself not to have children, like, because you, you can't find a partner and you want a children but you can't find a partner so it's really a tradition in our Asian you have you need a children when you have a partner but it's not actually is you can have a children even if you don't have a partner so now you have an option I don't discriminate against any ethnicity if someone wants me to be their donor obviously I judge them as a person and their values of you know who they are not not the color of their skin and such like that I can't say that I've actually successfully help my lady from an Asian origin, but it would be, you know, obviously, uh, you know, something that I'd be open to helping uh, without, you know, because I, I don't discriminate. And, uh, you know, and they, you know, I do feel that these children are, are lovely, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. And uh, in Australia, we're a very diverse culture now. I did mention earlier that when I take my children to school, there is so many children now compared to when I went to school from different um, backgrounds. and yeah, it's it's considered normal. It's you know, it's there's no shame in having a child that is um, biracial by any by any sort of imagination. And uh, you know, by talking to about this today, it's might you know make feel pe- people feel more comfortable. And uh, you know, look, yeah, it was it's wonderful to have you on the show today, Seth, to hear your own insight and your own knowledge, your own views. Uh, uh, and hopefully you inspire other men from a similar background to come out and, uh, you know, do this because, you, you know, you've, you've, you've mentioned the good intentions it is and some people just got to see it as a good intention rather than think of the negatives. And then also we'd love to uh, encourage women from other Asian backgrounds also to feel accepting and then also people from our own well, from a Caucasian background to uh, be open to the idea of uh, an Asian donor as well. I mean, it's not for everyone, but it's also, you know, uh, to put the information out there that, uh, for people to maybe consider that they may have not thought of before. So, no, it's lovely what you're doing, Seth. I really appreciate you being part of the group and the community. You're very welcome here, and, and as well as any person for that matter. You, you know, you're, you're in my group with the right intentions. That's what counts. So... Uh, thank you for your time today, Seth. And uh, thank you, Adam. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. So after speaking to Seth Wayne, we speak to a couple that decided to choose him to help him with with their possible conception of their child.
Welcome to the episode, Jessica and Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, how, how's your donor journey been thus far? It's been good. We've only just recently started the journey and it's been quite a positive experience so far. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're at the point of kind of waiting to find out if, if we're going to have a baby or not. <laughs> so you're, you're technically in the two week wait? Yeah. And your first cycle uh, trying so far, is, is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Right. So you've been in the group for a couple of months now or a few months. How did you go through the screening process in finding a donor? We were specifically looking for a Southeast Asian donor. We were hoping to find a Vietnamese donor, but ended up going with a Southeast Asian donor. And we were hoping to find someone a little bit closer to home, but we ended up finding somebody who was in another state. Just for clarification, have you got any Southeast Asian connection in, in on either side of, of your family, or is this something what drawn you into finding a Viet, uh, well, looking at a Vietnamese donor to begin with? Neither of us are Vietnamese, and we're both born in Australia, and we don't have any Vietnamese or Asian uh, heritage. But we both lived in Vietnam for almost five years, and we adopted a little boy who uh, was Vietnamese um, and unfortunately he passed away. He was a terminally ill child and so we wanted to have a connection to him by having siblings who were also of Southeast Asian heritage. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear about that little boy. It's always sad when stuff happens to any child that you know, hasn't lived a full life. Uh, but, yeah, look, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense why you want to have that connection. From there, did you ever have any um, concerns or hurdles to consider from family or friends uh, when deciding to choose to have a child, conceive a child this way yourself? All of our family and friends were pretty supportive of us wanting to go down um, this route of looking for a donor. A few family and friends were a little bit concerned about doing it in this way rather than going through a clinic. But the reason that we really wanted to do it this way was because we feel that it's really important for the child to know where they come from, to know who has donated them to us <laughs> so that they're not going to get to 18 and have all these questions and nothing's going to be a surprise. No, that, that's great. Uh, look, so obviously you've decided to pick Seth Wayne as, as your donor. You're travelling interstate. I'm guessing you had all these questions to him about uh, being able to answer future questions or or letting the child know of uh, his heritage or her heritage once they become become older. And I'm, I'm guessing he complied with uh, what you felt comfortable with? Yeah, Seth has been really great. He's had amazing communication with us and he's really listened to what we want and he's been really clear about what he wants as well. And it seems like we're all kind of on the same page. So, yeah, I think it's it's a good match for us with Seth. Oh, that's fantastic. It's always great to hear when our donors are giving our recipients a wonderful experience by you know, uh, being open, open and honest. Being in Australia, looking for other Asian ethnicities in Australia, you would have really not had many to choose from obviously. No, we didn't have a lot of options and we actually even contacted a few clinics to see if we could find a Vietnamese donor that way. Um, and we also tried 
uh, posting on a Facebook page to see if we could find a Vietnamese donor that way. And our options were quite limited. So, yeah, but I think we were really lucky to find Seth. Did you find these Vietnamese pages that you looked at that the culture wasn't there, that they were willing to donate? Is, is that perhaps why? We had one person who was interested, but it just ended up not being quite the right match for everybody. No, it's, it's understandable. I mean, you are searching in a place where people aren't familiar with being a donor, so they may not be ready or they may not know what to expect or their expectations might be too high and vice versa. Uh, yeah. So that's understandable. So you felt you felt comfortable with Seth. You've obviously decided to travel um, to see him. How do you... How did you arrange the logistics of, you know, flights and accommodation, timing and being available? Um, obviously, there must be a bit to it, working out where a good hotel is for Seth to meet or wherever you did the donations. How did that all come about? Well, we'd been tracking the cycle for about five months beforehand, so we made sure that we had a really good idea of when ovulation would be. And... It also aligned with my 30th birthday. So we decided to make a week out of it and went with my mum and had a holiday at the same time as doing the donation. So my mum also got to meet Seth and get to know him a little bit, which was really nice. We ended up staying in an Airbnb uh, in an apartment, which worked really well. And we just organised flights um, as we needed. So Seth did the donations, uh, I'm presuming AI, at um, an Airbnb, and your mother was yep. there also, and she got the privilege of meeting Seth. Um, yep. <laughs> sounds like the perfect <laughs> the perfect scenario, really, for everyone to have the mother's approval and the Airbnb. How did the Airbnb hosts go? Were they very accommodating with this? Did they know what was going on? We didn't mention it to the Airbnb host. <laughs> uh, Obviously, you've been tracking, you're happy, you're happy with your cycle, we're obviously pretty consistent, so you felt that you got, did you feel that you got the timing perfect? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think, I think so, I hope so. I feel, we feel pretty confident with it. It came a little bit earlier than it had previously, but we were quite lucky that we arrived a day earlier than when we thought it would be due. And so we were able to contact Seth and um, ask him to come earlier and he was able to arrange that, which was fantastic. That is very good to be able to have that flexibility and I do encourage it when people are discussing with using your donor. Uh, sometimes the anticipation of um, a donation for whatever reason, the body decides to, to, to throw a curveball <laughs> at you and change it by yep. a day or two or a day or two late. And some people, when they do book their flights and accommodation, they leave such a short window that it doesn't, you know, it starts to build that pressure where it doesn't, you know, start to look like out, look like it was going to work out and some people have missed it either too early or too late. So sometimes it is better to get a day, day or two early and a, say a day or two late just in case. So it's pleasing to hear that you felt that you got it out, you know, got the donations at the right time. So fingers crossed. We're all cheering you on <laughs> for some good news. It would be a great story for, for you to, you know, obviously celebrate your 30th birthday, mum there, and to conceive at that same time. It would be, um, you know, a special story within itself. Uh, yeah. You describe your experience using Seth as a, as a, as a great one and, and would you recommend him to others? 
for anyone else considering an Asian donor out there or the possibility of looking at a different ethnicity that they may have not considered before? Yes, definitely. Seth is amazing. He is a really, really kind person. Yeah, I I couldn't recommend him any higher. (laughs) No, that's fantastic. And it's great to hear our donors putting out um, a great example for the community to follow. So thanks for your time, Jessica and Amanda, and, and appearing on the show today, giving us some great insight as a recipient flying over logistically coordinating what you had to and uh, giving us an insight on why people would like to use Asian donors and and their manners and the mannerisms and the communication skills that you've had with them and your and your experience has been great. So it just goes to show it doesn't matter where you're from or what background you are from culturally, that, you know, um, at the end of the day, we're, we are all human and, uh, you know, uh, you can have a great experience with someone and if you haven't thought about uh, using uh, a donor of different ethnicity may be something to consider that you may have not normally considered. So thank you for that insight. If you would like to, anyone else, if you'd like to appear on the show or if you have a donor that you've used and he's happy to go on the show and you want to give him some great raps like Jessica and Amanda have done today for Seth, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, we want that community feel where good donors, well, most of our donors are good, but, you know, we want we want them to be recognised and if you're loud and proud and you have a good word for them, uh, you know, come come and contact us at uh, www.spermdonationworld.com or message me through Facebook. We can organise an episode, potential episode down the track. So I love hearing these feel-good stories. So thank you very much for your time, Jessica and Amanda. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Sadly for Amanda and Jessica, it didn't take, so we didn't get the fairy tale story that we wanted. While they were logistically trying to plan their next round, a new donor joined Sperm Donation Australia from Vietnamese Heritage, which also happened to be in their home state, which made it more easier for them logistics-wise. We wish them all the best in the future and hope that they have success. Speaking of success, those who remember Episode 9 of Sperm Donation World Podcast, uh, called Spermcast, named after her podcast, Molly Hawkey's just found out she is pregnant, everybody. After four AI cycles with her donor, we wish her all the best in her pregnancy now. Anyhow, people, I'm off to Denmark. I've got a plane to catch. I don't know logistically if I'll be able to release an episode next week, but stay tuned because I'm hoping to get lots of good content and on my adventures in Denmark and Sweden. If you're interested in following my trip in Denmark and Sweden, you can follow me on Instagram. Look up Sperm Donation World, one word, and that you'll be able to find me there. And I'll be posting many updates of pictures and videos and and all sorts of stuff capturing this uh, this unique little adventure that I'm going on. Anyhow, I'll see you when I see you. Gangnam Style Gangnam Style